Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome. Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> we are going to read more from the George Orwell. Do 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 do. So we are part two, chapter three. We can come here once again, Julia, said Julia. It's generally safe to use any hideout twice, but not for another month or two, of course. As soon as she woke up, her demeanor had changed. She became alert and businesslike, put her clothes on, nodded a scarlet sash about her waist, and began arranging the details of the journey home. It seemed natural to leave this to her. She obviously had a practical cunning which Winston lacked, and she seemed also to have an exhaustive knowledge of the countryside around London, stored away from innumerable community hikes. The route she gave him was quite different from the one by which he had come, and brought him out at a different railway station. Never go home the same way as you went out, she said, as though enunciating an important general principle. She would leave first, and Winston was to wait half an hour before following her. She had named a place where they could meet after work four evenings hence. It was a street in one of the poorer quarters where there was an open market which was generally crowded and noisy. She would be hanging about among the stalls, pretending to be in search of shoelaces or sewing thread. If she judged that the coast was clear, she would blow her nose when he approached. Otherwise, he was to walk past her without recognition. But with luck, in the middle of the crowd, it would be safe to talk for a quarter of an hour and arrange another meeting. And now I must go, she said as soon as he had mastered his instructions. I'm due back at 19.30. I've got to put in two hours for the Junior Anti-Sex League, handing out leaflets or something. Isn't it bloody? Give me a brush down, would you? Have I got any twigs in my hair? Are you sure? Then goodbye, my love. Goodbye. She flung herself into his arms, kissed him almost violently, and a moment later pushed her, pushed her way through the saplings and disappeared into the wood with very little noise. Even now he had not found out her surname or her address. However, it made no difference, for it was inconceivable that they could ever meet indoors or exchange any kind of written communication. As it happened, they never went back to the clearing in the wood. During the month of May, there was only one further occasion on which they actually succeeded in making love. That was in another hiding place known to Julia, the belfry of a ruined church in an almost deserted stretch of the country where an atomic bomb had fallen 30 years earlier. The belfry or at the bell tower or sleepo housing bells. 
just yeah if you don't know what that was it was a good hiding place when once you got there but the getting there was very dangerous for the rest they could meet only in the streets in a different place every evening and never for more than half an hour at a time in the street it was usually possible to talk after a fashion as they drifted down the crowded pavements, not quite abreast and never looking at one another, they carried on a curious intermittent conversation, which flicked on and off like the beams of a lighthouse, suddenly nipped into silence by the approach of a party uniform or the proximity of a telescreen, then taken up again minutes later in the middle of a sentence, then abruptly cut short as they parted at the agreed spot then continued almost without introduction on the following day. Julia appeared to be quite used to this kind of conversation, which she called talking by installments. She was also surprisingly adept at speaking without moving her lips. Just once in almost a month of nightly meetings, they managed to exchange a kiss. They were passing in silence down a side street. Julia would never speak when they were away from the main streets, when there was a deafening roar, the earth heaved and the air darkened, and Winston found himself lying on his side, bruised and terrified. A rocket bomb must have dropped quite near at hand. Suddenly he became aware of Julia's face a few centimeters from his own, deathly white, as white as chalk. Even her lips were white. She was dead. He clasped her against him and found that he was kissing a live warm face but there was some powdery stuff that got in the way of his lips both of their faces were thickly coated with plaster there were evenings when they reached their rendezvous and then had to walk past one another without a sign because a patrol had just come around the corner or a helicopter was hovering overhead even if it had been less dangerous it would still have been difficult to find time to meet. Winston's working week was 60 hours, Julia's was even longer, and their free days varied according to the pressure of work and did not often coincide. Julia, in any case, seldom had an evening completely free. She spent an astonishing amount of time in attending lectures and demonstrations, distributing literature for the Junior Anti-Sex League, preparing banners for eight weeks for eight weeks sorry not eight weeks <laughs> making collections for the savings campaign and such like activities a page she said it was camouflage if you kept the small rules you could break the big ones she even induced winston to mortgage yet another of his evenings by enrolling himself for the part-time munition work, which was done voluntarily by zealous party members. So one evening every week, Winston spent four hours of paralyzing boredom, screwing together small bits of metal, which were probably parts of bomb fuses, in a draughty, ill-lit workshop, where the knocking of hammers mingled drearily with the music of the telescreen. Well, that was some form of ASMR, right? <laughs> we should try do that. <laughs> like, you know, someone should do that. You guys who like to 
want to do the cosplay thing, you should definitely go for something like that. The candle went out, so give me a second. Let's change this candle, maybe. What do you think, guys? Let's... golden light otherwise we go into darkness darkness <laughs> it's really funny when people when people you know it's always the ones who keep falling for the liars who call the others blue-pilled but yet you know they never do really anything to help the regular people they're always just talking right and in the end of anything they do is oh if you want no more buy my course you know it's never fucking free anything they give you and if it's free it's always very partial it's never the whole it's really pathetic actually how most people fall for that bullshit because it's well told to them and that's all it takes you know like we were all like that we would all use the tricks and you know, surely then, you know, you'd say, oh, then at least they would uh, take, you know, the things you guys offer. Yeah, but they wouldn't really be, you know, there, right? Because you tricked them. It's not a real choice. I don't like that. One thing is to let people know, you know, oh, there is this. If you have a problem, you know, this may solve it. I understand that. That's the kind of marketing I like. But a lot of it is based on all these tricks, a lot of sales and stuff, and I never liked that part, I'm sorry. I do not appreciate it, and I don't call that real business. I live with someone who doesn't really appreciate anything that is really, you know, they worship, the, they worship Satan under the guise of God, and so everything they believe in is bullshit, generally speaking. But, you know, they're not like overall complete shits, right? It's just they are very highly misguided. And usually those people think they're very intelligent and they're very arrogant about stuff. And they're unable to admit that uh, for years I've been calling out shit and that they called conspiracy theories and then happened. And so now here we are, you know, yet again. So my only question is why the fuck do I still have them in my life? This is my only goddamn question. It's like, why was I thrown in the mix with these pricks? Really, you know, like, let them fucking be around the normies that they are. You know, why am I here? I'm, you know, I have to depend on them because of what's going on. And they're not really people who give you for free. There's always a big price to pay. And it's not giving anyway. It's all stuff that needs to go back at some point. So am I also returning the bad, you know, feelings, the behavior and all that? Because I mean, to be fair, right? 
So they don't like it when they meet people like me that uh, just call them on their bullshit and just put them in front of it and say, no, actually, just because you think I'm weaker and I can't, I have to take this bullshit doesn't mean I will. And it's not true that I have to. So this is all I've been saying. I've been calling this shit out since I was very young and hey, uh, it doesn't really bring me any joy when my dad on his deathbed says, oh, you were right all those years. Oh, great. You're fucking dying now. What good is it? <laughs> you know? At least he admitted it. It's like he was fucking dying, people. Of course he admitted it that he fucked up because he doesn't want to go to hell. You know? He's being imprinted by the Catholic Church. So that's all I'm saying. It's what it is. I'm reading this, but I have to stop my soup because my soup is ready. And I will continue it. So this stuff brings up a lot of thoughts. Yeah, soup is done. The fruit is here, being very cute. Hi, Boo Boo. Don't worry, I'm not. I'm not gonna step on you. Don't worry, my cutie pie. So anyway, too funny. When I look at all these, I think, yep, wow. Anyway, let's just go on and, and read because there's oof, too many things we should talk about. You know, if we're really getting into a lot of the shit, but the bottom line is, you know, every now and then you do see someone who is getting it and I was like, yeah, we need to do this, and yeah, exactly. But the thing is, you know, a lot of people, um, a lot of people still don't get it. Still don't get that. It's the unicorns that, you know, they, they throw them off, right? They don't want to believe in unicorns, so they never get the unicorns. There's nothing you can do about it. It is how it is. I don't pay attention to many people anymore, really. Not at all, because there's no point. Most of them are either psyops or half asleep and very arrogant, very, you know, it's just like real Zen masters, real people who are truly here. They are very humble. And when you meet them, you know who they are because they actually treat the, you know, everybody literally with the same respect. And uh, it's just so easy to spot the morons. And they are morons right now because they don't understand what this shit is about, really. And when I was telling them back then, they ridiculed, as usual, you know. You just don't want to understand. This is about basic respect. You have not shown respect. You've not been human beings. You have allowed the darkness to you know, take a hold of everything and it's not just fear, it's greed, it's all of it and it's all linked together and the bottom line is, yeah, mind control is big, absolutely but um, it's a lot to do with the fact that these people have simply never suffered enough and it's about time they do because uh, it seems that's the only way they can ever learn a lesson, you know 
And those who haven't yet in this life, good luck in your next one if you come back. Because it's gonna be a shit show for you bitches. And I don't feel bad about it because I look at it and I think, you know, it is what it is, right? It is what it is. It's unnecessary, shitty, shitty thing that um, they have done to other people. Unnecessary, and now it's unnecessary stuff that it's given back to them. It's just how energy works. That's what karma is. But yeah, I try not to be a bitch with people because ultimately it just comes back to you. But sometimes, I'm sorry, they just drag it out of you. It's like, you know, all these losers who block you because you simply call out the truckers as being what it is, a false flag. It's exactly it. And every now and then you see someone who is calling out the same shit and who actually makes way more sense than all these other yuppies who talk a lot about freedom and shit, but then when you go down to it, whatever do they ever do that is real work? And all they do is pencil push. They rely 100% on, they cannot make food from flour, they cannot make, you know, they don't even know how to make flour, you know, they don't have anything, and they don't think about it, you know, they don't, um, they don't care, because they've never valued the real work, they've never respected real work, they thought that going to university granted them the right to be assholes with people who have real jobs, so when they come to people like me and try and fucking say, oh, the truckers is like, go fuck yourself, bitches. Unlike most of you, I haven't been a fucking pumper, pencil pusher, son of a bitch. I've not been a parasite like the rest of you, assholes. I've always had real jobs. And go fuck yourself. Most shit I've figured out myself, bitches. And I haven't screwed over other people the way most of you have. So, and you call it business. I call it fucking over other people. You know, underpaying employees and stealing their ideas. Oh, like this shit doesn't happen all over. You're all part of it. You know, every time you go get this license, that license, and you buy to the bullshit that someone else imposes you, you're not doing it for the benefit of the people. You're doing it for the benefit of the few assholes who think we're all two idiots to figure out what's going on. So, you know, 1984 is very real today. This was never not real. But of course, you know, you gotta hide truth in fun stuff because otherwise the morons don't pay attention. It's gotta be fun, stupid, just wanna have fun. Yeah, they need to fucking party, right? But it's fine, like, it is how our brain actually learns the best when we have fun. So I'm being really sarcastic about it. But, um,. You know, it's just when people take it to that level where ooh, they, they confuse fun with getting raped with uh, drugs and all this stuff and not plants, actual drugs made in the lab made to fuck you up, okay? Not nature's provided, you know, natural. <laughs> Whatever you choose is your business. I cannot do a lot of stuff like most of you guys and I never had interest or girls But you know if it's natural. Yeah, I mean the amanita phalloidic is also natural and can kill you So, you know just want to say Do what you want. Just don't fucking call it something else at least own who you are if you're gonna be that You know and I do not apologize for calling out the assholes and for telling them well Maybe it's high time you all get it up your ass a little bit because guess what? 
You have treated us like garbage for far too long, you fucking sleepo. Yeah, you know what? If I had been God for 24 hours, all this shit would already be done and dealt with. And I guarantee you, our shortage of <laughs> not marijuana, hemp, will no longer be a problem anywhere. And food, I guarantee you that. Now, I don't know who would be so crazy to want to eat that kind of food considering where it would be coming from but hey if you get the drift we can always feed it to the pigs right you see the irony we feed them to those they used to eat and call inferior come on that's the ultimate punishment but i'm sure karma will think up something better so i usually let karma do the job such a beautiful job you know and it always amuses me i always go yeah i, I don't know not thought about that yeah. Anyway, let me go on after all this verbal caca. But seriously, fuck you idiots, all of you who fell for the fucking truckers later style. Idiots. Really. And keep blocking me because I don't need morons like you in my life because you're obviously called slaves. When they met in the church tower, the gaps in their frag fragmentary conversation were filled up. It was a blazing afternoon. The air in the little square chamber above the bells was hot and stagnant and smelled overpoweringly of pigeon dung. <laughs> they sat talking for hours on the dusty, <laughs> twig-littered floor, twig-littered, one or other of them getting up from time to time to cast a glance through the arrow slits and make sure that no one was coming. Julia was 26 years old. She lived in a hostel with 30 other girls, always in the stink of women. How I hate women, she said, parenthetically. And, <laughs> and she worked as she had guessed on the novel writing machines in the fiction department. I feel her though, like I'm laughing because I went to an old girl's school and I wanted to kill myself. All they could talk about was stupid shit and I was looking at them. I'm trying to figure out how to do this thing. I always had some project or the other. And the other girl who was like me, she was a bit of a jerk in many ways because she had a chip on her shoulder. And, uh, you know, I, I really hate people who are always in competition. Anyway, she was a churchy. So when later on in life she tried to contact me and I told her, you know, among other things, yeah, I had. I had a little, you know, snip snip, she was, I guess she didn't appreciate it, and so she, you know, just went on and never contacted me again, so these are the kind of people I met there, so sometimes when he talks about these things, he just brings back snapshots of, you know, our old life, you know you're old when you start having a lot of this shit. Oh, I'm so old and decrepit. I'm almost ready to go. Why did you take my dog and not me? Why? <laughs> anyway, let's move on. She enjoyed her work, which consisted chiefly in running and servicing a powerful but trickly electric motor. She was not clever, but was fond of using her hands and felt at home with machinery. She could describe the whole process of composing a novel from the general directive ensued by the planning committee down to the final touching, up by the rewrite squad. But she was not interested in the finished product. 
She didn't much care for reading, she said. Books were just a commodity that had to be produced, like jam or bootlaces. She had no memories of anything before the early 60s, and the only person she had ever known who talked frequently of the days before the revolution was a grandfather who had disappeared when she was eight. At school she had been captain of the hockey team and had won the gymnastics trophy two years running. She had been a troop leader in the spies and a branch secretary in the youth league before joining the junior anti-sex league. She had always borne an excellent character. She had even an infallible mark of good reputation being picked out to work in Pornosec, the subsection of the fiction department, which turned out cheap pornography for distribution among the pros. <laughs> Big Brother gave you porn. No, no, it's not true. There's nothing wrong with porn. You're all right. <laughs> it was nicknamed Muckhouse by the people who worked in it. She remarked, Muckhouse. That's too funny. There she had remained for a year helping to produce booklets in sealed packets with titles like spanking stories or one night in a girl's school to be bought furtively by proletarian youths who were under the impression that they were buying something illegal what are these books like said winston curiously oh ghastly rubbish they're boring really they only have six plots but they swap them round a bit of course, I was only on the kaleidoscopes. I was never in the rewrite squad. I'm not literary, dear. Not even enough for that. He learned with astonishment that all the workers in Pornosec, except the head of the department, were girls. The theory was that men, whose sex instincts were less controllable than those of women, were in greater danger of being corrupted by the filth they handled. They don't even like... Having married women there, she added. Girls are always supposed to be so pure. Here's one who isn't, anyway. She had had her first love affair when she was 16 with a party member of 60 who later committed suicide to avoid arrest. <laughs> After a good job, too, said Julia. Otherwise, they'd have had my name out of him when he confessed. Since then, there had been various others. Life as she saw it was quite simple. You wanted a good time. They meaning the party wanted to stop you having it. You broke the rules as best you could. She seemed to think it just as natural that they should want to rob you of your pleasures as that you should want to avoid being caught. She hated the party and said so in the crudest words, but she made no general criticism of it. Except where it touched upon her own life, she had no interest in party doctrine. He noticed that she never used newspeak words except the ones that had passed into everyday use. She had never heard of the Brotherhood and refused to believe in its existence. Any kind of organized revolt against the party, which was bound to be a failure, struck her as stupid. The clever thing was to break the rules and stay alive all the time. All the same. Yeah, like, you know. This is a lot of the fake truthers. That's exactly how they are. And then, of course, they only associate with those people who have their shit together. Go fuck yourself, bitches. 
You wonder vaguely how many others like her there might be in the younger generation, people who had grown up in the world of the revolution, knowing nothing else, accepting the party as something unalterable, like the sky, not rebelling against its authority, but simply evading it as a rabbit dodges a dog. They did not discuss the possibility of getting married. It was too remote to be worth thinking about. No imaginable committee would ever sanction such a marriage, even if Catherine Winston's wife could somehow have been got rid of. It was hopeless even as a daydream. What was she like, your wife? said Julia. She was... Do you know the newspeak word good thinkful? Meaning naturally orthodox and capable of thinking a bad thought? No, I didn't know the word, but I know the kind of person right enough. He began telling her the story of his marriage life, married life, sorry. But curiously enough, she appeared to know the essential parts of it already. She described to him, almost as though she had seen or felt it, the stiffening of Catherine's body as soon as he touched her, the way in which she, she still seemed to be push, pushing him from her with all her strengths, even when her arms were clasped tightly around him. With Julia, he felt no difficulty in talking about such things. Catherine, in any case, had long ceased to be a painful memory and become merely a distasteful one. I could have stood if it is, if it hadn't been for one thing, he said. He told her about the frigid little ceremony that Catherine had forced him to go through on the same night every week. She hated it but nothing would make her stop doing it. She used to call it, but you'll never guess, our duty to the party, said Julia promptly. How did you know that? I've been at school too, dear. Sex talks once a month for the over 16th, and in the youth movement, they rub it into you for years. I dare say it works in a lot of cases, but of course you can never tell. People are such hypocrites. She began to enlarge upon the subject. With Julia, everything came back to her own sexuality. As soon as this was touched upon in any way, she was capable of hate acuteness. Unlike Winston, she had grasped the inner meaning of the party's sexual puritanism. It was not merely that the sex instinct created a world of its own which was outside the party's control, and which therefore had to be destroyed if possible. What was more important was that sexual privation, priv <laughs> privation, I want to say privation, it's privation, induced hysteria, which was de desirable because it could be transforming to war fever and leader worship. The way she put it was, when you make love, you're using up energy. And afterwards, you feel happy and don't give a damn for anything. They can't bear you to feel like that. They want you to be bursting with energy all the time. All this marching up and down and cheering and waving flags is simply sex gone sour. If you're happy inside yourself, why should you get excited about Big Brother and the three-year plans and the two minutes hate and all the rest of their bloody rot? That was very true, he thought. There was a direct intimate connection between chastity and political orthodoxy. For how could the fear, the hatred, and the, luna, the, lun, <laughs> the 
the lunatic credulity which the party needed in its members be kept at the right pitch except by bottling down some powerful instinct and using it as a driving force well people you got hands make yourself happy i mean seriously come on now right imagination man you all gotta use it the sex impulse was dangerous to the party and the party had turned it into account they had played a similar trick with the instinct of parenthood the family could not actually be abolished and indeed people were encouraged to be fond of their children in almost the old-fashioned way the children on the other hand were systematically turned against their parents and taught to spy on them and report their deviations the family had become in effect an extension of the sub police it was a device by means of which everyone could be surrounded night and day by informers who knew him intimately abruptly his mind went back to catherine catherine would unquestionably have denounced him to the sub police if she had not happened to be too stupid to detect the unorthodoxy of his opinions but what really recalled her to him at this moment was the stifling heat of the afternoon which had brought the sweat out of his forehead he began telling julia of something that had happened or rather had failed to happen on another <laughs> sweltering summer afternoon eleven years ago it was three or four months after they were married they had lost their way on a community hike somewhere in kent they had only lagged behind the others for a couple of minutes but they took a wrong turning and presently found themselves pulled up short by the edge of an old chalk quarry it was a sheer drop of ten or twenty meters with boulders at the bottom there was nobody of whom they could ask the way as soon as she realized that they were lost catherine became very uneasy to be away from the noisy mob of hikers even for a moment gave her a feeling of wrongdoing she wanted to hurry back by the way they had come and start searching in the other direction oh my god how dare you but at this moment winston noticed some tufts of loose strife growing in the cracks of the cliff beneath them one tuft was on two colors magenta and brick red apparently growing on the same root he had never seen anything of the kind before and he called to catherine to come and look at it look catherine look at those flowers that clump down near the bottom do you see they're two different colors she had already turned to go but she did rather fretfully come back for a moment she even leaned out of the cliff face to see where he was pointing so she even leaned out over the cliff face to see where he was pointing sorry i read it like shit before so he was standing a little behind her and he put his hand on her waist to steady her at this moment it suddenly occurred to him how completely alone they were there was not a human creature anywhere not a leaf steering not even a bird awake in a place like this the danger that there would be a hiding a hidden microphone was very small and even if there was a microphone it would only pick up sounds it was the hottest sleepiest hours of the afternoon the sun blazed down upon them the sweat tickled his face and the thought struck him why didn't you give her a good shove said julia i would have yes dear you would have i would have if i'd been the same person 
than as I am now. Or perhaps I would, I'm not certain. Are you sorry you didn't? Yes, on the whole, I'm sorry I didn't. They were sitting side by side on the dusty floor. He pulled her closer against him. Her head rested on his shoulder, the pleasant smell of her hair conquering the pigeon dung. She was very young, he thought. She still expected something from life. She did not understand that to push an inconvenient person over a cliff solves nothing. Actually, it would have made no difference, he said. Then why are you sorry you didn't do it? Only because I prefer a positive to a negative. In this game that we're playing, we can't win. Some kinds of failure are better than other kinds, that's all. He felt her shoulders give a wriggle of dissent. She always contradicted him when he said anything of this kind. She would not accept it as a law of nature that the individual is always defeated. In a way, she realized that she herself was doomed that sooner or later the thought police would catch her and kill her. But with another part of her mind, she believed that it was somehow possible to construct a secret world in which you could live as you choose. All you needed was luck and cunning and boldness. She did not understand that there was no such thing as happiness, that the only victory lay in the far future, long after you were dead, that from the moment of declaring war on the party, it was better to think of yourself as a corpse. We are the dead, he said. We're not the dead yet, said Julia prosaically. Not physically, six months, a year, five years, conceivably. I am afraid of death. You are young, so presumably you are more afraid of it than I am. Obviously, we shall put it off as long as we can, but it makes very little difference. So long as human beings stay human, death and life are the same thing. Oh, rubbish! Which would you sooner sleep with, me or a skeleton? Don't you enjoy being alive? Don't you like feeling? This is me, this is my hand, this is my leg. I'm real, I'm solid, I'm alive. Don't you like this? She twisted herself round and pressed her bosom against him. Ah, he could feel her breasts, ripe yet firm, through her overalls. They weren't probably, you know, silicone ones though. Her body seemed to be pouring some of its youth and vigor into his. Yes, I like that, he said. Then stop talking about dying, and now listen, dear, we've got to fix up about the next time we meet. We may as well go back to the place in the wood. We've given it a good long rest, but you must get there by a different way this time. I've got it all planned out. You take the train, but look, I'll draw it out for you. And in her practical way, she scraped together a small square of dust, and with a twig from a pigeon's nest, began drawing a map on the floor. Do 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 do, and that's the end of the part two, chapter three of 1984, with, of course, some verbal caca, because without verbal caca, what are you gonna do? It's after all we gotta make fun of everything and rip it down the way, oh yeah, and sing like shit. This is how you sound to me when you behave like little bitches, by the way. So bad. I just like to give back to people sometimes what they give out, you know, and put them in front of their shit and say, do you like it? No, then don't do it to other people. You want me to be nicer to you? Well, why don't you try and be nicer to me the next time, bitch?
when you sing. They always dish it out, but they never want to get it back, you know. No. Sorry of fucking respecting people who actually have been there the whole time, you little fuckers who have been traveling and going on your expensive holidays and have been bragging about it all along. Go fuck yourself, rich fucks who never gave a shit about the people who were suffering, who called them stupid because, oh, you weren't smart enough to make money. Oh, yeah? Well, I guess all that money is gonna keep your family fat when there is no food anywhere around, eh? <laughs> Assholes. But, you know, some people never learn because they're just not there yet. So the best thing is to fucking leave them. Go away. Don't go away, man. Just stay away from us. We don't want to deal with you at all. And stop trying to impose your bullshit on everybody else. Thank you. We don't impose our shit on you. Why do you try to impose your crap on us? Why? Why? That's right. And this is 1984. Done ASMR way. This is truth ASMR. Brought to you by someone who truly does give a shit about the common people. And who doesn't try and subdue anybody. Because those who use force and who lie and manipulate others are really weak individuals. We know it. And we like to put them right where they belong. Much love. Keep supporting those who create a shittier world. And then bitch about it.